Eva. And this is Longhorn Lab Report. Did you read Ariba's article about the dinosaur blood vessels last week, Ellen? I did! That's so cool they were able to find intact blood vessels from so long ago. I smell a Jurassic Park opportunity. The future is now, and it looks a lot like the Mesoic era. Well, maybe not. I heard that the researchers were only looking at the proteins in the vessels, so no Jurassic Park from these dinos' DNA. Yeah, you're right. It's probably for the best. Dinosaurs would probably feel very out of place in the world today. That reminds me of how penguins must have felt after they lost the ability to fly. Julianne wrote about them in her article this week. Their brains took a long time to catch up to the change. I love penguins. Or, as Benedict Cumberbatch would say, Penguins. I listened to that at least ten times the other day. It only gets funnier. Also, I saw Benedict Cumberbatch on the UT campus freshman year. You never know who you're going to see around here. The other day, Nobel Prize winner Randy Sheckman was on campus giving a talk about cancer cell recognition. Wow, that's awesome. I wish I could have seen his talk, but I was too busy reading about science. That's why we have reporters, Eva. They can be there when you can't and then tell you about it later. (laughs) What are you doing after this podcast, Ellen? I feel like all we ever do is read daily Texan science and tech articles. I was planning on hitting up happy hour later, but I just saw Stacy's nutrition column about the effects of alcohol on your body. Maybe I'll only have a couple of drinks or just stick with water. (laughs) That's probably a good idea. Hey, speaking of water, Zia wrote an awesome article this week about UT scientists who have found a way to make hydrocarbon fuel from water. What? That is so cool. Yeah. Is there any other interesting research the science and tech reporters covered this week? Yeah, UT scientists are working on biological tattoos. The finished products will monitor your vital signs and can even send messages to your doctor. That's pretty awesome, but what do they look like? Do they come in different designs? I really want one in a heart shape that says mom. They're not really meant for aesthetics, Eva. They're just patches of metal, like silicon or gold. I mean, gold tattoos sound pretty good to me. I guess I'll just have to design the mom tattoo myself. I read Danielle's article about Design Hack, and it made me really excited to learn more about graphic design. Same! The news this week was super exciting! Yeah! Did you see Freya's article on biocement? It's a self-healing living concrete. This research means the buildings around us might soon be alive. The walls will have eyes! That's a little extreme, Eva. The biocement is made with calcium carbonate-forming bacteria, which definitely do not have eyes. Okay, yeah. I guess I was overreacting a little bit. Tell me about some more cool UT research. Is there anything else interesting going on? Oh, you know, the usual. Astronomers are using a huge telescope to unravel the greatest mystery of the universe, dark energy. Wow, I saw Laura's article about that. Aren't they using the telescope to help calculate the universe's rate of expansion? Yep, they're going to measure how far we are from distant galaxies and the rate at which that distance is growing. How cool. The interview this week is also about space stuff, but it's a little closer to home than those distant galaxies. Here's Danielle talking to R.B. Brenner about the Washington Post virtual reality tour of Mars. So on top of all that awesomeness, R.B. was recently a part of a collaboration with the Washington Post in which he created a virtual tour for Mars. Can you tell us what the process behind creating a virtual tour was like? Sure. Um, So we essentially, when you're working in virtual reality, but it's journalism, you have to be careful that you're not making anything up, obviously. So, (laughs) right? So we couldn't just envision what we think Mars looks like. Mm -hmm. You had to actually begin with, how do we 
get the materials to recreate Mars in the most accurately accurate way possible. So we worked with a reporter at the Washington Post who covers space, Mm -hmm. and then we uh, investigated what information was available via NASA to recreate Mars. And so there's something called LIDAR data that NASA provides that is essentially sort of data that can uh, accurately um, turn into a topographic map. So it allows us to to show this is what the surface of Mars like looks like. Like it's pictures they captured with like the Hubble telescope? Exactly. Okay. Right. So you have satellite images and then you have this data that says the data is um, can be used in creating an accurate map. So there was a lot of research in that area. Then just like conventional journalism, you tried to figure out, well, what is our story? Mm-hmm. And you did a lot of interviews. So we interviewed astronauts, we oh. interviewed the people who run the NASA, the Mars mission. We interviewed some of the leaders of the private space effort. And then we paired those interviews with appropriate visuals and then began to build the model and create the virtual experience. What led to this collaboration specifically with the Washington Post and them choosing UT to be a part of it? Right. Well, because I worked there, obviously, for a number of years, I still have very close relationships with the editors. And uh, when I was at Stanford, now at UT, we've always talked about how we can collaborate on projects that make sense. They approached me with the idea of virtual reality. And the exciting part about that idea was it allowed me to venture outside the School of Journalism, Mm -hmm. so that even though we have journalism students and faculty involved in the project, uh, the project's success um, very much hinges on multidisciplinary collaboration. Mm -hmm. So we have students and faculty from the Department of Radio, Television, Film, particularly the UT 3D program, Mm -hmm. and we also have students from computer science and engineering and researchers at the Texas Advanced Computing Center's Visualization Lab. So uh, the collaboration with The Post came from my relationship with them, but it was their idea to do virtual reality. Wow, and so how does, like, I spoke with Professor Chetty, and I know that y'all two also took a trip to Mexico, Mm -hmm. where you filmed The Pope visiting there. So how is the 3D, because I understand how coding and all that plays into it, but how does the 3D film aspect play into it? Yeah, so, um, well, first it's important to understand that there's a difference between 360-degree video, which is what we did in Mexico when the Pope held mass at the border, Mm -hmm. and virtual reality. So 360-degree video basically takes what began with the fundamental principles of shooting a video, but using special equipment, you create an experience in which the user isn't just looking at that video from one perspective, the, the um, viewer can choose a 360 degree view mm-hmm. and can essentially experience the story however he or she wants. That's 360 degree video. And you need to know camera technology, you particularly need to know, and which is what Deepak Chetty is so good at, is Um, the principles of creating a 360-degree story, but from a technical standpoint, (laughs) including how you stitch the video together and how you use camera and sound. So that's an art form in and Mm -hmm. of itself. What we did with Mars, though, 
is virtual reality, which is different than 360 degree video. When you're doing virtual reality, you're essentially working to create a, a model that the user can move within. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to know how to program within Essentially, it's like building a video game. Yeah. Uh, and you need to know how to work within the development tools that let you do that. So, so it's two different things. Some of the software, because I've been doing like a little bit of video uh -huh. game development. So yeah. like on Unity and Unreal. Exactly. So we there. use for Mars Unity. Okay. And then I know um, Deepak Chetty in his class that he teaches uh, in immersive storytelling and RTF uses Unreal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. So basically, it seems like the onset of virtual reality is something that will have like widespread everywhere, not just like the storytelling aspect of journalism. Um, I think we'll also get exciting discoveries with that because in game development, you know, a lot of people are trying to bring, build body rigs and bring that experience uh, to life. So what do you think makes virtual reality stand out from current technology? And how do you foresee it having an impact on things like teaching in the classroom here? Yeah, well, I think, um, and I still think we're at somewhat of an early stage. Like, when I first put on a virtual reality headset, <laughs> which was at Stanford in 2010, uh -huh. it was very big, and it was very bulky, <laughs> and it seemed like I was connected to all these cables. There was nothing particularly natural about it, uh -huh. but I can tell you, from the minute I put it on, it was like, wow, this is powerful. Really? Uh, the first experience I ever did in, with a headset on at Stanford was they created a, um, a VR experience in a, in a canyon. And you had to walk across a, basically <laughs> wow. like a wooden board uh -huh. to get across the canyon. And that was scary enough. And then at the end, having done that, they said to me, do you want to step off the edge of the canyon? Oh. And I can remember saying a voice in my head saying, you're in a room with carpet. <laughs> Nothing can happen. You cannot get hurt. And even trying to convince myself, it felt so real that I couldn't do it. I just, I had too much fear of what, you what, what I was seeing. And that was the first sense of like, wow, this can be very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Since then, headsets have become far less bulky, mm -hmm. they're becoming less expensive. Yes, you're still tethered to a computer, but it's, it's a little less um, cumbersome. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I foresee is in the years ahead, headsets are gonna get better, they're gonna become more affordable, mm -hmm. we're gonna to move toward wireless, so you can have much more freedom of movement. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's gonna open up a lot of possibilities for education, I mean, I think that our Mars story was as much of uh, an educational experience as it was journalism. Yeah, because uh, I never, I looked at it and I never really like, you see pictures of Mars, so I think it was better to see, because like it's so barren. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped ground it too, of, like what it's like being out there and the drone just driving around through really nothing. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. So I thought that was an interesting aspect as well. Um, what tools would someone have to know in order to be able to make something in virtual reality? Like, do you need to know graphic design, coding, or some like different types of skills that go into it? Yeah, so certainly, as you mentioned, you need to have coding skills to work right now in Unity 
or or be able to know Unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe for Unity, it's um, C C Sharp, mm-hmm. uh, Java, and, yeah. and a few other languages. I think those maybe are maybe Python, maybe Python a bit. Mm-hmm. So for sure that you definitely need to have graphic design and conceptualization skills. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of Mars, Deepak created what he calls an animatic, mm-hmm. which is like a, it's almost like a little film that visually <laughs> represents and shows, here's how the experience is going to work. So oh, you wow. need to, to create that kind of visual outline. Mm-hmm. Um, you need, yeah, you definitely need um, a graphic design background. Okay, that's cool. So after visiting your Twitter handle also, I saw that you mentioned that UT has a virtual reality team in the making. What's happening on that end of things? Well, um, we've been, as I say, as we do these various projects, uh-huh. we basically build teams based on kind of the skill sets and backgrounds that make sense. So, for example, there's certain students working on our 360 video projects who aren't working on the VR builds mm-hmm. like Mars, and then there's other students working on the VR projects who aren't on the 360 video. Mm-hmm. Would my vision for the journalism school is that we can, in the near future, create sort of a virtual reality content creation course that could then work uh, in um, coordination with the course Deepak's teaching, which is kind of a production class. So you could have a creation and a production class that could be in tandem. What do you think about, because UT just unveiled their new program, the Art and Entertainment Technology Program. And um, right now, myself, I am in the digital arts and media. I'm pursuing that certificate. Is that but in I was, fine arts? N- well, the digital arts and media certificate, it works as where you can, it's, you're not in any of the colleges. Okay. You can take C, uh, CS ones, fine arts ones, RTF ones, and they allow you to take the journalism ones, a mm-hmm. few of those, and some advertising ones. Um, but with the AT program, it's now its own one. I haven't really, like, I can't really tell yet, but I believe they are trying to basically make it a hybrid uh, to where you'll be able to code, like, have access to all that different things. I don't know how that's going to work since UT is a decentralized But I think that's great. I mean, my Uh whole, if you look at where journalism's going Mm -hmm. and journalism education, it really is newsrooms of the future going to have all these different types yeah. of skills and backgrounds oh, that yeah. are unconventional given what who used to be hired mm-hmm. in newsrooms. So <laughs> I think the more our students can get exposure mm-hmm. to these kinds of cross-disciplinary programs, it's great. Okay. So um, I also saw that you were partnering up with the Knight School of Center and that had to, I mean, Knight's Knight Foundation. Foundation of Journalism. How was that working? Because I know you mentioned like open sourcing. Yeah, so what the, that's really came about from conversations we had with the students and researchers at the Texas Advanced Computing Center. Because when we first approached them and said, we're going to try to do a virtual reality story or stories, mm-hmm. the, the, the engineers said, well, that's great, but you know, you're going to have a problem because journalism students and journalists, professional journalists, very few of them are going to have the the skills (laughs) to program, right? Uh It's not like learning how to make a website on WordPress Mm -hmm. or to do like a simple map on, you know, using Google Maps. You know, (laughs) this is, as you know, much Uh more complicated. Mm -hmm. So out of that initial conversation, 
we basically said, well, what can we do about it? And a couple of the people at the lab said, well, Unity does give you the ability to develop kind of plugins to have, you know, sort of manage plugins that would um, make Unity more accessible mm -hmm. to the non-programmer. Mm -hmm. So we thought that was a really interesting idea. And the little kind of code word I gave for it is um, WordPress for VR. You know, <laughs> what, if, what if we could allow journalists or filmmakers or just average people mm -hmm. to do things in Unity that you would need to know the code otherwise? Mm -hmm. And so we applied for two grants one from the Knight Foundation Prototype Fund, and we mm -hmm. received a little grant from them. And then we got a larger grant from UT, has a, a grant program called LIFT, mm -hmm. Longhorn Innovation Fund for Technology. So with those two grants, we've been working on this for the last six months. We actually previewed it at South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. And what it basically allows you to do is you can have a completed piece of 360 video. Mm -hmm. You import it into Unity, and then using our plugins, you can add text, you can add graphics, you can even add 3D elements. How would you bring in, like for instance from Mars, how would you bring in like that, like you, all that prefab, you just have to put it in a folder? Yes. And then exactly. resource and it's a prefab. Exactly. Sitting in it? Yeah. Okay. In fact, I can show you um, a little video we've done that oh, kind of shows cool. how it works. Wow, so I know you mentioned that journalism is trying to bring content creation. Is that just one course or do you have like further plans of bringing more of that type of curriculum in? Well, I think that it will start, my hope is it starts with an individual course uh -huh. and then grows from there. But, you know, we've also been doing these projects and I call them test kitchen projects <laughs> and the virtual reality is one of those and, uh -huh. and the idea of the test kitchen is you can have partnerships with a news or media organization oh, yeah. with different departments of the university with students with faculty and then rather than doing it as a class per se you make it a class that's around a project mm -hmm. so you're learning but you're also creating and doing uh, is that like the one I've seen the one uh, the partnership with the Texas Tribune where students can work underneath them to do data visualization? Yeah, so it's kind of like that. We did one with uh, the Austin American Statesman around Snap using Snapchat for journalism. So mm -hmm. it's that kind of concept. Okay, so with technology, there's always talks of the next biggest innovation that will change society and revolution our lives. Um, before virtual reality, there's the internet currency Bitcoin and digital mm -hmm. audio tapes among the tech innovations that were purported to make these big changes, but right. they have yet to do that. What are some challenges or limitations that you see with using virtual reality that may hinder um, it becoming um, prevalent in our yeah, lives? Yeah, well, I think that you have to realize its limitations, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of people including myself, who've put on the headsets, even if you think it's the coolest thing, mm -hmm. who didn't want to take it off in about three or five <laughs> minutes, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be something for long-form journalism. Mm -hmm. um, while that it has this wonderful sort of immersive experiential quality, it's maybe not the best for, you know, you're not going to do a lot of reading in it. Mm -hmm. So I think for journalism, you it becomes a very powerful supplemental or targeted 
way to tell stories, but it's not going to become any kind of dominant way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one significant thing to realize is that it definitely has its limits. Um, the other thing is that, um, and it's the reason if you look at the, the Mars project, the Washington Post was very, very smart because they used their engineers in their newsroom to not just take what we had built for Oculus Rift, but they actually built it in a way that you could view it on a laptop, mm -hmm. view it on a desktop, view it on a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, they're able to expose that story, even though it's taking 3D and turning it into 2D, mm -hmm. it exposes it to a much wider audience than, than if we just did it and waited for enough people to have a virtual <laughs> yeah. reality headset. Yeah. So I think a lot of this is going to depend on the, the improvements in the headsets and the mass adoption. But I think the most important point for journalism is that it's, it's not going to replace much of what we do. It's going uh -huh. to give us another medium Option. another medium yeah okay well what about like coding is there a certain language only that you can work with or can you basically work with any of them together well again i think that um if you look at it what it is now um what you need to know to do to work in unreal is different than unity mm -hmm. so each what we try to do in the School of Journalism, though, whether it's in our coding classes and our app classes, mm -hmm. is basically say to our students, we don't want to get fixated on teaching you very specific, mm -hmm. uh, or well, we want you to know um, langu languages, mm -hmm. but we don't want that to be the sole focus of the way we teach because things will go out of style so yeah. quick. So quick. Like the, the example we use is like Flash. Mm -hmm. Remember that? That used to be like there was probably way before when you were young, there were journalism schools that were really spending a lot of time teaching students how to pro develop in Flash. Is it a, that was a language? That was a language. <laughs> and then it, no one was needing to use Flash anymore. Well, that's like, I, I think, there, is that for Linux? That was the one for Linux? Well, basically Flash ended up, Flash was being used to basically for like animation. Oh. And, um, and, you, and if you were doing any kind of like video animation, it was in Flash. Now we have Adobe. Yeah. <laughs> it makes everything easy. So. Okay. So, um, so we're wrapping up, everyone. Thank y'all for tuning in today to hear our little chat. Um, as we wrap up, Arby, do you have any closing thoughts you would like to share with our listeners today? Uh, just that uh, the exciting thing for me about journalism is just how dynamic it is, that we're doing projects and teaching classes now mm -hmm. that we wouldn't have even envisioned five years ago, mm -hmm. and the same is going to be true five years from now. Mm -hmm. So, and that is it for our interview with Arby Brenner for Longhorn Lab Report. Tune in every Wednesday to catch our latest report with the coolest happenings in science and tech. Thanks for listening to Longhorn Lab Report. Tune in next week for more cool science. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at The Daily Texan and our podcast department at Texan Podcasts. And be sure to check out The Daily Texan online at dailytexanonline.com for more awesome content. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Eva Frederick and Ellen Earhart with special guests Danielle Ransom and Professor R.B. Brenner. And the music was by Jazar. Be sure to check back next week for our next episode. And for more science and technology news, go to dailytexanonline.com.